Center for Parent Youth Understanding and the CPYU Podcast Network, you're listening to The Word in Youth Ministry, a podcast by youth workers for youth workers, where we give insights, strategies, and helps for effectively teaching God's Word to our students. Kyle Hopsmith, and I'm the student pastor at Old North Church in Canfield, Ohio, and we're here for episode number two of the Word in Youth Ministry podcast, and I'm here with two friends today, Linda and Matt. How are you guys doing today? Doing well. I'm doing well. Thanks, Kyle. Now, as we talked about in the first episode, I'm up here in Ohio, but Linda is in Florida, and Matt, you are in sunny San Antonio, Texas. That's correct? Yeah, I feel like I stole sunny from uh, Linda. I the think. sunshine state of yeah. Florida. <laughs> yeah, we've branded, we've rebranded um, San Antonio, and sorry, Florida. Well, I can tell you that of all the things Ohio is known for, especially in the winter months, it's not known for the sunshine. We're not the sunshine state. But as we jump in here today, I'm excited. We're going to talk about biblical literacy and the need for um, raising the level of biblical literacy among our students. But before we jump into that, I figured it would be helpful for our listeners to continue to get to know us a little bit more. And one, uh, one marker of how we can uh, judge different youth workers is uh, on our first episode, we talked about how long it would take if we got in a 15 passenger van and drove from my church in Ohio to Matt's church in Texas to Linda's church in Florida. But one way we can uh, judge about a, wor- a youth worker is if they had a full 15 passenger van and they're on a road trip and they need to stop and get food right? Students like to eat. At least that's my experience. Students like to eat. Is uh, if you had any option to stop at a fast food restaurant, where would you pull that 15 passenger van into? Must be fast food. And I want to, I want to start today with Matt. Matt, what would you, where, where would you stop for fast food with your full 15 passenger van? Well, there's only one youth ministry answer and that's Chick-fil-A. That's correct. So yeah, sorry, Linda, already, you, you have nothing more to contribute, I suppose. No, but okay, so there's a great, so this is kind of fast food. Do y'all have Bucky's in your area? We do not. So Linda, Bucky's you- is this, it's like, it's like the, um, it's like the Costco of convenience stores. It's like this mega, it's this mega convenience store. And I'm not kidding you. It has at least a hundred pumps. They're all over Texas. Um, and they're beginning to spread out into Louisiana and they've got like this, this huge counter with fudge like there's all this fudge there like you can get any kind of barbecue you want like club sandwiches like that is like huge um what are those things uh uh, uh slushies for like 99 cents anyways like that is the go-to place that for us in texas Bucky's. so so you would say chick-fil-a but if chick-fil-a is off the board you'd be going to bucky's absolutely and bucky's first in texas yeah it's interesting. We have something similar um, in Pennsylvania where CPYU is located and also uh, here in Ohio and even down towards Virginia. We have something, it's a gas station called Sheets and they have something, it's similar to what you're saying. It's, it's more than just you're walking into a gas station to get food. They make food. Uh, and uh, I think that would be, that would be my go-to if uh, one of my go-tos if, if Chick-fil-A is not on the board. Uh, Linda, wh- where would you go? 
This is the people that know me know this is the worst question for me because my body started rejecting fast food years and years ago. So did, does something like Chipotle or a Moe's count? Because I can eat those. I think Chipotle counts unless unless you're just like a youth worker who just like takes the mission trip and you just fast the whole time. Is that is that what you're doing? No, I can't. Uh, so, yeah, I'd have to go with, you know, if I want to eat. It has to be something like a Chipotle or a Moe's. Um, I, I haven't eaten Chick-fil-A in uh, maybe 10 years. Wow. Uh, <laughs> wow. I do. I, I have to say, though, I would enjoy being on a trip with you, Linda, because at least I knew I was getting good food. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And I mean, although there probably could be arguments on whether Chipotle is fast food or not, uh, I, I could eat that every day on a youth trip. I'd be I'd be good with that. <laughs> Check yeah, out our new good. podcast on uh, fast food restaurants and how to classify them. Yes. Well, hopefully our listeners uh, can enjoy this and can get continue to get to know us a little bit more. But we're going to talk about something more important than fast food restaurants on youth ministry trips. Today, we're here to talk about biblical literacy. Now, if anyone's listening to this and there's, they're thinking, I've never heard the term biblical literacy before. Uh, this is just a combination of, you know, what we would say is reading strategies that everyone learns. The word liter literacy means the ability to read and write. So today, when we're thinking about biblical literacy among teenage students, what we're thinking about is the ability for students to read and understand the Bible on their own. Now, as the three of us are entering this conversation, um, Linda, you're working with middle school and high school students at your church. Is that right? Right. Mm -hmm. And Matt, at your church, you, you've, you've done work with middle and high school students? Yes. Yeah. And here at Old North also. And so as we think about this, I think it's important for us to frame the conversation that we understand a middle school student, let's just say a sixth grade girl, is going to have a different biblical literacy level than a 12th uh, a 12th grade student, right? Because as students mature in learning styles, they're also hopefully going to be able to understand the Bible better as time goes on. Uh, and as we think about this biblical literacy among students, uh, I want to use a Lifeway study that an article that we will have posted in the show notes uh, to get this conversation going. And this article says that studies show that the best spiritually based predictor among 13 to 17 year old teenagers was their engagement in scripture. Similarly, when examining children raised in a church, a LifeWay research study found the biggest factor for prediction among the spiritual health of young adults is whether they read the Bible regularly as kids. Matt, when you hear this idea of, of um, the predictor being whether they read the Bible as kids or not, what comes to mind when you hear that? Wow. Yeah, that's, that is a, uh, that's a really important um, study. It sounds like, and I, what I think of is that's absolutely true. Whenever I talk to our parents um, of our students, I always want to tell them, Hey guys, like at the end of the day, what really marks out one of our, you know, growing Christians in our ministry or growing student Christians is uh, that they read and engage with God's word. And so certainly on my on the ground anecdotally, that's absolutely true in our ministry. And Linda, when, when we think about uh, something you said in our first episode, that um, if you have anything to offer to our students, right, we want to teach them the word. 
part of the reason we're, we're starting here with biblical literacy is we want to think that we don't only want to teach them the word, right? We want to be able to help them handle the word on their own. So as you think about this, how, do, how does this play out um, in, your, in your ministry? Yeah, I think that uh, one of the things the study is pointing out, right, is that we want students to not only be in the scriptures with us the few times that they may be with us in youth group or at church on Sundays, we want them to be in the word on their own. Um, in fact, I don't know if you're going to point this out, but that's one of the really interesting things that's in this article is it says, if students are engaging with the Bible one to three days a week, um, it doesn't really have that great of an impact on other kind of behaviors and whatnot in their life. But when they hit that mark where they're in the scriptures four days or more a week, that's where you really start to see a marked difference in their lives. And so my goal can't only be teach students how to be spoon fed by us at um, the church, but also how do I help the students learn to engage the scriptures on their own and actually want to do that? Yeah, and as we, as we consider that, right, I think the imagery is so important, right? We need to, at times, spoon feed our students, right? We need to take the food. This is turning into a food podcast unintentionally, right? We need to take the food and we need to feed it to them and help them eat it. But other times, especially as the students get older, right, there's a difference, like we said, between an elementary school student and a middle school student and a high school student. We want them to be able to pick up the, the spoon and the fork and to be able to feed themselves and be able to eat the food on their own. And let's, let's just play out a scenario here um, for the youth workers listening. I know one, uh, one of the discouragements among many youth workers that I talk to and maybe you guys talk to is that you know the consistency of attendance of students. And we're not here to, to, to analyze that today, but what we do wanna think about is if a student is coming you know, 75% of the Sunday mornings, right? To your student ministry, or maybe um, to youth group on a Wednesday or Thursday night, and they're coming you know, three weeks on, one week off, two weeks on, two weeks off. You know, if that consistency isn't there, this is pointing to Linda, what you said, to the need to help them to be able to eat and digest God's word on their own so that they can still be doing this even when they're not in a youth ministry setting. Now, Matt, for you um, in your experience, both at your church at Redeemer and also just um, working with students and youth workers uh, through different avenues, um, have you thought about this power of four and just how obviously we want students to engage in the word of God more than just once or twice, but have you seen this play out in, in, in any youth ministry settings? Yeah, I, I think um, to talk about this, I would think, you know, we, we ultimately do want to get our, as you said, get our students to the point where they're, they're able to feed themselves, right? This is the not giving them fish, but teaching them how to fish. And in order to get there, one of the things that we have to acknowledge is that it's, it's our students have very little patience for actually learning how to read the word. They have very little patience for actually learning how to read anything, you know, like in their English classes or whatever. And part of the reason is, is that is, I think is because we kind of feed on impressions, feelings. We like to feel God. We don't necessarily, we're not necessarily good at knowing God. C.S. Lewis has a um, as an interesting illustration that he gives. He talks about it's just hard to sit down and learn Greek grammar. 
but it only it you realize why you've done it when you can start reading Homer. And that's kind of what biblical literacy is, is it's realizing that this is a long and tough road. Culturally speaking, our students are not ready to spend the time and effort required to get to know the Bible that well. Um, it's just hard to do. They would prefer to feel who God is, but that's not sustainable in the long run. And so we just know in a ministry that you have a, that's a, it's a mountain to climb. And so you kind of have to start early on this mountain in order to help your students get there uh, by the time they're ready to really grow and launch uh, in 11th and 12th grade. And as we're considering, you know, thinking about this being the word in youth ministry podcast, you know, our students are swimming in a culture where everything is here today and gone tomorrow, right? Advertisements, school activities, anything that they're doing is here today, they're interacting with it, and then it's gone. But what we're putting in front of them as the word of God, as it says in the book of Isaiah, that it, this is not something that's here today and gone, but the word of God will stand forever, and so it is going to be unnatural for many teenagers today to interact with the word of God, which stands forever, when so many other things in their culture are coming and going so quickly, and um, our attention spans are, are becoming shorter and shorter. So to tell a student to sit down and read the Bible for 15 minutes might seem like an eternity, where I bet if we were to look at studies several years ago, that might not have been so difficult um, not because it's the Bible, but because just our attention spans of students are becoming less and less and less. And can I just say as well that it's important as a youth worker to not take that anxiety that you feel that your student can't sit down for five minutes and read the Bible and own it for yourself and say, oh, I'm also a product of this culture and I have trouble sitting still with God and his word and, um, and so always when we're wanting to teach someone, that means we're actually going ahead of them and learning how to do that hard work ourselves. And for me personally, I've had to repent of how hard that is just to do and how important it is for me to take the time away, not kind of reading the Bible just during working hours, you know, but also reading the Bible outside of working hours, because that's what I expect my kids to do is read the Bible, not when they're in class, but when they're not in class. That's right. And I think that one way that we can continue to, um, to um, up the level of biblical literacy among our students is to model it well for them, to not just tell them this is what you need to be doing, but to actually modeling and to help students realize and to share with them what we're learning, how we're interacting with the word of God on our own. And Linda, as before we transition to think about just the current state of biblical literacy among our students and students in general, uh, I was just wondering, as we think about this idea of having students uh, read and understand the word of God on their own, I think there's a, a sliding scale we're looking at here between teaching students intellectually what the Bible actually says, um, and then to the other end of the spectrum, training students how to handle the Bible on their own. Right, because we want students to, to learn and to intellectually grow to know about God, but we also want to train students um, how to how to avoid landmines of biblical interpretation that aren't helpful. How to not just cherry pick uh, what the meaning of the Bible might be to them. Um, so how how do you think how should we navigate this idea of we want to teach students what's in the Bible, but we also want to train them at the same time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think there's a way to do it where you you can do both at the same time in a way um, where you're you're 
either the way that you structure the lesson or the way that you just lead them through a few things, you're, you're teaching them implicitly some uh, principles about how to understand and how not to understand the scriptures, you know? So I worked in a context once where I could tell the biblical literacy was much lower than places I had been before. And I just made a habit of asking simple questions of the students in the lessons. Like we could read the first three verses of Jonah and I would ask, what did God command Jonah to do? And they would think really hard and not look at the scriptures and try to answer it based on like what they thought I was trying to get at. And I was like, no, just literally look at what I just read. What does it say that God commanded Jonah to do? Like, this is how you understand the scriptures. You read it and then you ask questions of it. And then we move on from there into interpretation and application. And um, there, there are ways to, to work things into it where you're both teaching them the content and how you arrived at this is what it means for us. And that's a great example of where we're going to take this conversation to next about observations of students who are handling the Bible on their own. I think that's that's a good first one for us here. Students who, when asked questions about the Bible, right, when they're handling the Bible, they, they miss what's obviously in front of them, right? You asked a question that they wouldn't even have had to think about, right? If they just looked down at the beginning of Jonah, they could have recited um, exactly what God commanded, yet they're assuming the answer is coming from something else other than what's right in front of them. One observation I have um, at times with our students here is uh, because many of our students are church kids, kids who grew up in the church, who've been in church multiple times a week for all of their life. I joke sometimes some of these kids were in church multiple times a week when they were in their mother's womb, right? They're so used to being in church that they always try to tie the text to Jesus. And we're going to talk about this in a, in a future episode about biblical theology and how the whole Bible points to Jesus. But sometimes, you know, a kid will raise their hand in a small group and say, oh, this means, and then fill in the blank about Jesus, when really they haven't even thought about the text. They're just assuming that the right answer points to Jesus. Man, Matt, I, what are some observations you have with your students? Yeah, I love that. I, I, I'm looking for students to... Um, to get a little freaked out by the text. Like when a student gets upset, worried, that I know that they're actually kind of wrestling with it because that's what the text does. It actually wrestles with us, you know? And so I, I just remember uh, a couple of months ago, there was an intervention-like thing where I had three girls send me like a text, like we've got to meet. So I met them at a coffee shop and these three girls are like, hey, like what in the world is going on in Genesis one through three? And which was great. Like I, and I'm thinking you, all of you have sat under my teaching. I've taught on Genesis one through three, like 10, 20 times since you've been in the youth group. And it's now that you're starting to really wrestle with this text. And I think that's just, we want to pray for those things to happen for students to be like, well, is this really who God is and what he's telling me? Cause that's, yeah, that's how we know that, that the Holy Spirit's at work. And so just as a youth worker or youth pastor, who, wherever you are, to not be scared that a student is seeing some crazy things in the Bible because, hey, it turns out there are some crazy things in the Bible and that you don't need to paper over them. You don't need to kind of iron out all the, the difficulties there and just let the text speak uh, for itself uh, for a while. And yeah, and, and let the kids wrestle with it. 
And it's interesting because as they're wrestling with the word of God, you know, Matt, I like what you said there. You, you want the text to freak them out, right? You want them, you want there to be a sense of uneasiness because for many of these students who are church kids, right, they assume they know the right answers and they assume they already know what the Bible's saying. And it's almost like um, what we need to do for students, you know, an image that uh, I heard several years ago was like, you know, we, we want to teach them to mine the depths of God's word. You know, it's like they have a big excavator piece of equipment and we want them to be able to dig deep into God's word. But it's almost like our students think that they're digging deep, but really they're just playing in a sandbox, right? They're, they're, just, they're just moving, they're going slightly below the surface. And one of our passions on this podcast is to help youth workers realize it is possible for students to grow in biblical literacy. And one of the main ways this can happen is by you and, and all of us as youth workers helping them do that, right? They might not even know that it's possible. And to something that we said on, a, on our first episode, they might not even know that it's a thing. They might not even know that they need to grow in biblical literacy, but we can help model this and help give them the tools in their hands uh, to help grow in biblical literacy. Linda, do you have any other examples of observations of students uh, in any youth ministries you've been at um, and how they have a need to grow in biblical literacy? Sure. So I have observed students that are just all over the map in this, you know, I think everywhere I've worked, there's been at least a handful of students that go to private Christian schools. And so when we're teaching through a book that they happen to have studied in their Bible class recently, they're like, oh yeah, like I know this, this is, this is what happens in the book of Judges and whatever. And I don't know why that's the voice that the students speak in, but that's what they do. Um, and, you know, I think it's a little bit of what Matt was getting at too, is that they, they lack um, this curiosity and this ability to um, ask deeper questions about the scriptures and put themselves really um, in the story. Um, I have found that there are so many preachers I really appreciate when they can slow down a story and help me see the intricacies of this is how the Lord or, or Jesus in this passage was interacting with this person. Like, do you see how, how tender this is or how powerful this is? It, it requires slowing down. And I think so often we don't do that. Um, and those students that maybe just learn it in an academic setting um, don't learn to do that either. And I've appreciated when I've seen students who, who do slow down. I've, some students here I've already seen, they're noticing some details that I skipped over. And I'm like, oh, that's a really cool detail that you just noticed in that passage. Um, that's really awesome. So yeah, that's one thing I've noticed. And that points to our need and why God created us to, to exist in the Christian life in community, right? In the mm -hmm. church so that we can grow in an understanding of God's word together. And Linda, I think you bring up a good point uh, that many youth workers who might be listening to this podcast are navigating, and that's the different segments of students we have among our youth ministries. So I have two that come to mind, and then maybe if you guys have any to add, the first one being what you mentioned, right? Among our youth ministries, it's, it's very common to have different segments of schools that students go to. So Christian school, um, public school, or being homeschooled. Another segment that really affects biblical literacy is whether students are raised in a Christian home or not. 
So a student who is raised where their parents um, believe the Bible and teach the Bible to them is going to have a different uh, level of biblical literacy, most likely from the friend who comes to youth group with one of your students or one of our students who has never even opened the Bible aside from Christmas and Easter, right? When their families go to church. So that's another segment of breakdown of students, um, Christian families and, and families who are not yet Christians. Do any other segments of students uh, come to mind for either of you uh, that would affect biblical literacy? One comment and just um, that I kind of observe every once in a while, and y'all have already touched on this a number of times, but just there is a, a malaise that kind of can set in if you're very used to the word of God, you know? And one of the things that is exciting is when that student who starts coming and listening to the Bible and has like never owned a Bible, you know, starts, starts actually listening to it, that can be a really beautiful leavening that happens to some of your, your kids in the church. I, I remember, so I had a student and I only got to know him his senior year and he like, he gave me a present as he was leaving of a Bible, just like this little New Testament Bible with the Psalms in it. And my immediate response was, you don't like, I have so many Bibles, you know? And then I realized like, whoa, this was God. This was God speaking to me. This is God saying, Hey, this is, doesn't matter how, you know, how long you've been a Christian, how much, you know, like you always need to hold on to this, to this word. And so I, I just think it's really important to, is when we have new students who don't know anything to see the way that they actually leaven and change our own group, because so many of us just, yeah, we just have, we just glaze over sometimes. Yeah. And that, that points to our need to remember, uh, to remind our students who have been raised in the church that when other people are coming into our youth ministries who don't, um, this is also good for them, right? The observations that they're making in a text might be very different because they, they don't have uh, the foundational um, knowledge of the Bible. And that's, that's going to actually act as a tool that can help raise the biblical literacy for the church kids. Well, we're going to take a short break, and when we come back, we're going to talk about strategies uh, to grow biblical literacy among our students, and then talk about a few recommended resources that we would, uh, we would want youth workers to use as we navigate the world of youth ministry here in the year 2021. So we're going to take a short break, and then we'll be back. Here at CPYU, we want to help you help parents stay up to date on today's youth culture. One of our most popular resources is our monthly parent page. This four-page, full-color resource offers parents a timely, practical look into current youth culture trends, along with resources to help them parent their children and teens Christianly in today's rapidly changing youth culture. If you're a youth worker who would like to get this monthly resource into the hands of your parents, you can see a sample parent page and learn more by visiting cpyuparentpage.com. As we continue this conversation about raising the level of biblical literacy among our teenage students in our youth ministries and any youth ministry of the people who are listening to this podcast, we want to think strategically here for a little bit about strategies to grow students' level of biblical literacy 
And we would like to give a few um, recommendations for those who are listening based on what we see God doing in our youth ministries. So Linda, why don't you start us out here? What are some strategies to help students grow in their level of biblical literacy? First, I would say that I would direct students to study Bibles, especially if we want them to be on the scriptures in their own outside of youth group activities. We've got to help them understand the scriptures on their own or they won't want to read it. Um, And study Bibles, I think, are so helpful in that area. Even when I was in college, I got the ESV study Bible and it was so helpful for me to read the scriptures through chronologically for the first time and actually have an understanding of it. Um, And the first youth ministry I worked in, actually, the ESV study Bible was like the cool thing for the students to have. Um, That was really awesome. So yeah, direct them to um, study Bibles like that. Second thing I would say is uh, my previous church actually literally just taught a class to high school students. It was a class on how to study the Bible. Um, And it went through some different kind of methods and then also how to understand different genres and sections of scriptures. And I think that was pretty helpful for the students that were in it. Uh, So yeah, Matt, um, how about some strategies from you? Yeah, um, good question. I So I'll, um, I mean, I love the ESV study Bible. I think that's a great word. Um, I, when I'm thinking about this in terms of our programming, I want to encourage our youth workers that when they're preparing, when we're preparing our uh, sermons, that our sermon or our talk should be discernibly connected to the to the Bible. I know that's like sounds silly almost, but I've totally fallen into the trap myself of basically thinking, oh, I have something cool to say, like what Bible verse can I use? Um, but it's much better to not use uh, scripture as a springboard, but rather to to connect organically what we're saying with the text itself. And so what that's gonna do is that's gonna help our students when they're talking together uh, in our small groups about what the Bible is, uh, what the text was about. They're not talking about the sermon, they're talking about the text through the lens of the sermon. And I think that's what we wanna help our students to do. And so also very simply, make sure you have the passage printed for them or at least a Bible that they can pick up so that they're reminded all the time that this is a word-centered ministry. And I suppose another thing, and this was already referenced, I think, by Kyle, but after I read the scripture text, I always say the grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever and ever. And just as a, if there is any cue or reminder that we can give our students just in little textures, that it's all, that it is about the word of God, because this is how we know God. Um, those are some, maybe some strategies that we can think about as youth workers. I think one strategy I would add to this list that I've found helpful with our students here is that I want to teach in a way where when I'm teaching the Bible to students, they're able to learn Bible study habits and tactics through the way we're teaching. And one way this is done is by clearly just teaching through books of the Bible. So when when you break up, for instance, the book of Colossians into maybe eight or 10 weeks and you're teaching through, hopefully students are learning Um, different Bible study tactics through how we're navigating the text on our own. So they're not just learning about what the book of Colossians says, but as we're navigating different things in the book, they're learning. And a second way is as we're teaching, asking questions to the students about interpretation, where when they answer, and sometimes this could be in a small group setting, or even I've done it in a large group setting, when the students answer the interpretation questions, um, it's giving them the freedom to be wrong. 
Because sometimes when they're wrong or they interpret something in a way that doesn't seem to line up with what the Bible's teaching, it's very possible, and I would say maybe even probable, that there's other students who are sitting in the room who were thinking the same thing as them, but they didn't realize that they were wrong also. And so it takes a level, and for any youth workers, for any youth workers listening, um, I, my recommendation to you would be one way to grow in this style of teaching is just to be patient with yourself as you're teaching and to give room for students uh, to be right, give students for them to be wrong, but also just create an environment where it's okay for students to raise their hand and know that sometimes they're gonna have the wrong answer, um, but that we're all growing in this together. And that just takes a little while to build that culture, um, but it's something worth aiming for as we're aiming to grow the level of biblical literacy among our students. So as we, uh, as we end today's episode, I, we want to give a few recommended resources for youth workers uh, as we think about this topic. And the one that I wanna recommend is a book um, written by Robert Plummer. It's called 40 Questions About Interpreting the Bible. And one reason I would recommend every youth worker to get this book is not only because I think that uh, we all need to grow in this area, but also uh, one thing that we've learned about students is students ask a lot of questions. And this book, uh, I'll just read a few, of, uh, a few of the questions out of the table of contents. Uh, there's 40 of them all together, but one is uh, who wrote the Bible, humans or God? Why is biblical interpretation important? Who determines the meaning of the text, right? And there's 40 of these questions that as students are asking us hard questions, a resource like this can help us navigate these questions. Linda, what's a recommended resource that you would wanna give youth workers? So there's a book that was used for that, how to study the Bible class at my old church. Um, and it is called How to Read the Bible for All It's Worth. It's by Fee and Stewart. And what that book does is especially it goes through the different genres of scripture and teaches you how to interpret each of those different genres. Um, so the, the students would understand you don't read and interpret a psalm the same, same way you do a historical book or an epistle or anything like that. So I find it's a very accessible book to explain that concept to students. Matt, how about you? What's a recommended resource from you? Yeah, I guess my resources are maybe geared towards the, the, the youth worker who's teaching um, to help in their interpretation. And one is just a really good commentary series. I love The Bible Speaks Today, edited by John Stott. I think that's a super helpful series, um, especially uh, the stuff that he writes. It's put out by InterVarsity Press. Um, and then uh, another book that will help um, a seasoned youth worker to learn interpretation is Let the Reader Understand by, by McCarthy and Clayton. Uh, and it's a guide to interpreting and applying the Bible. And uh, so, yeah, both of those resources have been very helpful to me in my ministry. So as we think about this topic and close today's conversation, our encouragement to you, youth workers who are in the trenches, is that we're all in the trenches with you and we are all growing in this. And so as we continue to have these conversations about the word in youth ministry, we'd love to hear from you. Any feedback, questions, or comments you have for us, we'd invite you to send us an email at thewordinym at cpyu.org. That's the word in YM at cpyu.org. And we'd also invite you to like, share, and subscribe on whatever platform 
uh, podcast platform that you're listening to today as we continue to navigate this world of the word in youth ministry. Thanks so much for listening. Thanks for listening to The Word in Youth Ministry. To learn more about CPYU and the resources mentioned on today's podcast, visit us online at cpyu.org.